0: hello and happy saturday or whenever it is to all of you listeners and lovers of cartoons welcome to kelby's cartoon corner the show where we discuss all the best cartoons from 90s nicktoons to current adult animation and by we i mean me kelby alone in my bedroom not in the living room anymore so i don't have to kick my roommate out of the house every time that i record So if it is Saturday when you're listening, I hope you have some comfy pants and maybe a snack or four. I mean, regardless of what day it is, I hope you have comfy pants and snacks, but, you know, especially if it's Saturday. But no matter what day it is, get comfy, grab a snack, and let's talk about cartoons. This episode was originally supposed to be about a different show, but then Infinity Train Book 3 ended, and I needed to talk about it. Spoiler, I don't talk about Book 3 at all, except I like casually mention it at the very end, but that's okay. I wanted to talk about Infinity Train, and I figured now is as good of a time as any, because if I can convince you to watch Book 1, then maybe you of your own fruition can watch Book 2, and then also Book 3, and then if everybody watches Book 3, then we could maybe get a Book 4, and that's what we're hoping for. So. If you have the ability to do so, please support the show on HBO Max and use the hashtag InfinityTrain on Twitter or Facebook. Whatever, use the GIFs, post the pictures, anything. Let people know the the you know the higher ups at HBO Max let them know that people are watching the show and we want more because Book Three is the best season so far, and I cannot stress that enough. But I'm not gonna hit on any I'm not gonna hit any like super heavy plot points because it just ended. Uh, like, literally a week ago, right now, at this very moment, I was watching episodes 9 and 10 and screaming, so I promise it's really good. I don't- okay, I don't have anything else to say about it. It's really good. Go watch it. I don't even know how to begin talking about this show without spoiling it, but at the same time, so much stuff happens that even if I did spoil something, you could still watch the show and be just as into it. I watched the entire thing and I'm rewatching it for the third time all the way through, except for book three because it just ended and I still notice new stuff every time that I watch. So even if I do accidentally spoil something, which if I do, it's gonna be from book one because that's pretty much all that I talk about. But if I do spoil something, you could still watch the show and enjoy it just as much. I'm going to do an overview of books one and two. And again, I say I'm going to do an overview of books one and two, but I actually do mostly book one and then I talk about book two because I just don't have time by the end. Uh, I was very naive when I started typing the script. I mention book three, but I will not go into any details because it just came out a week ago and I want to give you time to experience it. I want you to be just as shook as all of Cartoon Twitter was at 3 a.m., exactly a week ago when season 3 ended and we were all devastated Infinity Train is my newest cartoon obsession and it's the first cartoon that I've been into that has been really current I was getting into Steven Universe right as Future was wrapping up so I couldn't participate in conversations or like you know I wasn't into it when it was really popular so I'm really excited to be into Infinity Train now as it's popular and it's premiering on HBO Max and I am watching the episodes as they come out I'm very excited so I I mean I'm just I'm geeking because I'm excited to be into something as it's happening because usually I find out about something two years after it's ended and then I'm like scouring the internet trying to find people that are still into the show and like you know two years- everybody's- everybody's moved on by that point. Alrighty, there is almost no time to waste because book one takes up so much of this script. First of all, I just wanted to say this is an anthology series, so every season follows different characters. I just want to say that up top. Again, not that that matters because by the time we're done with season one, there's hardly any time to talk about anything else. I'm just- I- I know how I work at this point and I talk- very heavily about book one and I know by the time I get to the end there's not gonna be hardly any time to talk about anything else. Okay so season one or book one because Infinity Train calls all of their seasons books follows the story of Tulip. Tulip is the only child of divorced parents. She's 13 according to Google. I don't know if it ever explicitly says in the show but I think she says that she's in seventh grade so it makes sense that she's 12 or 13. She's really into coding she eats onions like apples and she's supposed to be going away to game design camp for the weekend when the story starts. Tulip comes home from school and she goes into her room to try to work on her game and her mom calls her downstairs. She comes down and her mom tells her that her dad can't take her to coding camp because they had a scheduling issue uh her dad scheduled a business trip out of town and her mom thought that she was going to be gone so she picked up double shifts at the hospital and now there's nobody to take her to game design camp tulip is obviously upset uh shouting that there are two adults and one kid it shouldn't be that hard also they decided to get divorced and turn her life upside down and her mom is like uh don't whatever and she shrugs it off and she goes up to her room to work on her game Tulip decides that if nobody can take her to game design camp then she'll just take herself. She packs up some stuff in a backpack and she sneaks out her bedroom window. I don't know how far she gets but she walks for what I assume is like 6 hours. It's daylight when she starts and by the time she stops the sun has set but it it also seems like winter time so it could have only been like 2 hours. I don't know but the animation is made to feel like she got pretty far she stops to take a break and she sees a train going by. She walks up to the train and it stops for her and opens a door. Above the door is a sign that says Oshkosh, the name of the camp where she was supposed to be going. She says out loud how convenient it is and when she turns to get on the train, a bright light flashes and then she wakes up in a field covered with snow. I just want to pause for a second and say that like if you're smart enough to know how to code, you should be smart enough to know that like, she even out loud she says how convenient this is. She's like oh this is really nice. Bruh, what What would make you think that you need to be... Like, why would you just get on this train? That's, like, the equivalent of, like, getting in a white van because somebody offered you candy. What are you doing, bruh? You have no idea what's going on. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) She was walking through a field covered in snow when she saw the train. So at first, she assumes that she fell asleep and she dreamt about a train. As she gets up to walk away, she sees a row of snowmen and she starts messing with them, moving their hands, messing their hats, whatever. And when she goes to do something to the last snowman in the row the head looks weird it looks a little bit different she goes to move the hand or something and the head screams and tulip also screams the head of the snowman is actually this little round robot when he screams he asks tulip if she's his mom to which she responds no The robot explains that he lost his mom and is looking for her, but he can't remember what she looks like. He asks Tulip if she's looking for her mom too, and she says no, she's going to game design camp. Tulip walks away, but the robot follows her. They head towards this giant snowman with a weird door in the front of it, and the robot explains that the door is impossible to open. The only escape is from hypothermia. (laughs) Tulip is able to open the door, and when she walks out, she finds that she's on the train, so she wasn't dreaming. The next car they go into is this huge empty room that looks like it's covered in grid paper. When Tulip steps in, the grid, like, becomes 3D. I don't know how to explain it, but every time she touches a square on the grid, a square pops out of it. So, whatever. So she and the little robot run all over the place, and they make walls and stuff. Tulip makes the characters from her game that she designed, saying that it's the best game that she's ever made. The robot asks her how many games she's made, and she says, One and he said that's he's the robot says that's his name one one he has like two different voices and i've seen the whole show and so far they like that hasn't been explained so i'm not sure what that's about also one voice is super cheerful and the other voice is really sad and morbid but it just it adds to his character i think it's really fun Tulip looks up at the ceiling and decides to throw a glove at it to make something pop out of it, and when she goes to get her glove off the ground, she sees that she has a green glowing number on her hand, and she freaks out wondering how it got there. Right then, the train stops. Tulip and One One go outside to see what's happening, and they're, they find that they're in the middle of a desert. We also see how long the train is. It's super long. That, okay, that didn't feel like that needed to be in the script. It's very long. It's an infinite train. Tulip is looking around and suddenly she sees a a weird vortex tornado of light coming from the sky and it comes in contact with a train car and then we see a person get sucked into this vortex of light and then kind of disintegrate. Tulip freaks out and decides that she doesn't want to be on the train anymore so she climbs down and she starts running. Her boots get stuck in the mud and as she's trying to free her foot this weird like cockroach looking like dog creature comes crawling out of the mud and side note these things are called gomes it's never explicitly mentioned in universe what these are they're mentioned by name in book three and we kind of just have to put the pieces together and figure out that these are the things that they're talking about but again never explicitly explained in universe and it's not really like it's not really super relevant until you get to book three but i'm just tossing that out there that's what these things are called so Tulip gets her boot unstuck. She runs back to the train right as it starts to pull away. The gome chases after her, and as she gets onto the catwalk that stretches in between train cars, the gome gets on top of her and starts, like, sucking her soul. I'm not exactly sure what's supposed to be happening, but that's how I've always interpreted it. It's like a Dementor's Kiss. Her skin starts to, like, wrinkle. It's really weird looking. And then One One pops the thing in the mouth before it can suck her soul out. One One is... Actually, two half circle robots that make a full sphere, and he can detach whenever he wants to. He's like two different robots, and that's why he has two distinct voices. Uh, Don't know why his name is 1 1, but whatever. He's two halves of a sphere. So 1 1 distracts the gome for a second, long enough for he and Tulip to run back into the grid car. Tulip tosses 1 1 and tells him to start building a wall. She runs around getting the gome to chase her as she runs towards the wall, or house, because 1-1 wanted to be creative. Uh, She jumps into a hole just big enough for her to fit through. She gets away, and the gome is trapped inside the car. That's, like, all of episode one. I'm gonna go through this episode- I don't think I explicitly said that. I'm gonna go through this episode by episode. I- Originally, I was supposed to be giving an overview, but then I realized that so much stuff happens in season one, and season one is the groundwork for everything else that happens, so if I can kind of give you season one, then you can go watch it, and you can see for yourself, because I don't I don't talk about everything that happens, I just give you kind of the bullet points, then you can go watch it, enjoy it, and then you can move on to book two, and also book three. Please watch book three. We need a book four to happen, and it won't happen if people aren't watching book three. So that's my that's my general explanation of what's happening for the rest of this episode. Alright. Episode two starts with Tulip working her way through a few different cars. Every time she makes progress, one one does something, honestly kind of harmless, but it slows her down. She tells one one that this whole thing isn't a game to her, and she says He says that that doesn't mean that they can't still have fun. Tulip glances at her hand and notices that her number went down. It went from 115 to 114. And she freaks out and asks 1-1 if he knows what it means. And he says that once her number goes to zero, she'll disappear from the train. And this obviously makes her a little bit nervous and also kind of upset because nobody told her any kind of rules when she got onto the train. When 1-1 said that she'd be gone forever, she assumed that meant that she was going to die. Uh they're on a hunt to find the conductor to sort this mess out and the only way to get to the conductor is to make it to the engine and the only way to do that is to get through cars so they're moving they move on to the next car The next car is called the beach car, and when they come in, they see a cat trying to scam a blob of water named Randall into buying this piece of old pipe that she claims is a donut holer and reselling it. He points out that it's kind of like a pyramid scheme, and she says, don't think of it as a pyramid scheme so much as a pyramid team. And she also adds that this is the only donut holer certified by her close personal acquaintance, the conductor and that gets Tulip's attention. She runs down to make sure that she heard the cat right, that she really does know the conductor. She starts explaining everything to the cat, all the events that led her onto the train. She shows the cat her number and says that if it reaches zero, she's done for. The cat asks who told Tulip that she would die if her number got to zero, and Tulip says that 1-1 told her. The cat asks 1-1 if this random hat is his mom, and he says yes. She asks him if she puts the hat on her head, will she die? He also says yes. The cat tells Tulip that maybe 1-1 isn't as wise as he seems. Tulip tells 1-1 that he made her think that she would die if her number got down. And he says, it would be surprising if you never died. I love 1-1. He's like, above and away, my favorite character of this entire show. Bless him. The cat says that the conductor can help Tulip figure out her number, but her shuttlecraft is broken. Tulip offers to fix it for her, and the cat says in exchange she wants one one. Tulip is anxious to figure out what's happening and to get off the train, so she agrees. Tulip says that there's a gear missing, and Randall knows where they can find one, so he walks into the ocean, and the water just like, parts for him. The ocean floor is populated with Randall, and one Randall runs a gear shop that has the gear that Tulip needs, so after an exchange of a gift, that 1-1 gave to Tulip. They get the gear and she's able to fix the shuttlecraft. Tulip tells 1-1 goodbye and that he has to go with the cat because that was the deal. 1-1 says goodbye to Tulip and he and the cat take off to find the conductor. It doesn't take very long for Tulip to feel guilty for sending 1-1 away with the cat and subsequently it doesn't take long for her to realize that she needs to get him back. She asks Randall if he knows how to get to the cat and he tells her to hop in his body. It's not as weird as it sounds. They go back to the gear shop and Tulip trades the shop owner a pack of gum for the flower that 1-1 gave her and then they chase after the cat. When they finally catch up to her, Tulip apologizes to 1-1 for betraying him and sending him with the cat and then Randall is able to slip through through the cracks of the shuttlecraft and short out the circuits and get the cat wet. The cat says that there's no way she'll get off the train without her help and that's kind of the end of episode two. Sometimes these episodes just end. I mean, this one doesn't end because 1-1 says something really sweet and it would make sense. It wouldn't make sense here because I skipped over the part of the episode uh, where he says something that brings everything full circle because I'm not trying to give you a play-by-play of every episode. I just want to give you enough information that you want to go watch the show so together as a community we can save the show from cancellation because book 3 was the best and I want to see where they can take it from there. So, moving on. I'll be honest, I wasn't totally hooked on Infinity Train at first. When I started watching, I told myself I was going to give it three episodes to get me hooked. And by the end of episode two, I still wasn't totally sold on it. But episode three is what got me. Atticus is my favorite character so far across all three books, and episode three is when we meet him. I just wanted to say that if you watch Infinity Train and you're not into it at first, I get it, but please give it a chance. Infinity Train is a sci-fi fantasy story, and because of that you have to give it a little bit of time to establish some groundwork so you have a better understanding of the world in which the story is happening. Will you have questions after the first season? Absolutely. I've seen all three seasons and still have questions, but the creator, Owen Dennis, has said that he knows where he wants the story to go through a season eight because that's the infinity symbol. So we have to give him and the team time to tell us the whole story. I I promise it's worth it if you just give it a chance. So that's my we're moving on. (laughs) Episode three starts with Tulip's number being at 109. She's trying to make it through as many cars as she can as quickly as possible so she can get to the conductor. They run through a bunch of cars and they end up they end up in a car populated entirely by corgis. It's seriously the cutest thing that I've ever seen. It's so fun. Tulip and 1-1 come into the door, and they hear a horn sounding in the distance. Q Atticus, king and uniter of the Cotigans and the Pembrokes. Tulip and 1-1 have stumbled into Corginia, the kingdom of corgis. Tulip tries to ask Atticus to show her the door, but he insists they join him for a tour of Corginia, and so they do. This doesn't really have anything to do with the plot of this episode, I just wanted to say that this episode contains one of my favorite lines in all of animation just because it's so funny. I don't know why, it just hit me really hard the first time that I heard it, and every time I watch this episode I have to rewind it so I can see this multiple times. Tulip and Atticus are walking through doing the tour of the kingdom, and a pack of dogs runs by, and they're rolling one-one around with them like... Uh, crowd surfing as they run and one one exclaims wow this is my first time being nauseous and i don't know why it's just i think it's the way that he says it and it just it hits me every time i love that line again not plot relevant just very funny right as tulip says that they need to leave a giant shadow monster appears over the mountains in the distance and also the kingdom starts to flood Everyone runs into a building to take shelter, and Atticus says that he hasn't told Tulip everything. He says he doesn't know what the monster is or what it wants, but every time it appears, the water level rises. If they don't do something, eventually the entire kingdom is going to be underwater. The monster just happens to be in the same direction that Tulip needs to head to get to the door, so Atticus asks to come along with her so that he can face the monster and save Corginia. Tulip, One-One, and Atticus set off to find the monster. When they get to the top of the mountain, they find a spider hanging in front of a glowing ball. Tulip says that that must be what the monster was, so she takes the spider down, and Atticus jumps up and eats it. Tulip thought that if she helped Atticus save his kingdom, that maybe her number would change. It's been a week, and nothing's happened. Atticus tells her to keep her head up, but also also he thought taking down the monster would make the water level go down, and it didn't. Tulip points out that the spider made a shadow in front of the glowing ball, but what's that glowing ball doing there? They hear something in the distance, and they go to investigate. They peek around from behind a bush, and they see that there are holes all over the place where it looks like these glowing balls have been removed, and the thing that's removing them is some kind of weird robot with a bunch of tentacle arms. It's looking for something. This is another thing that isn't explicitly explained in-universe. The robot is casually referred to as the Steward. but. What does it do? Why is it here? What purpose does it serve? Questions are unanswered thus far, and I have no idea. But anyway, the steward is in Corginia, and it's looking for something. 1-1 suggests that they just go to the crazy robot-looking thing and talk to it, so he jumps out and yells hello, and then the steward whips around and immediately starts blasting. I typed this, and I immediately thought of that, uh, uh, mm-hmm, the little short guy who played the the satyr in hercules uh danny devito that's what it was (laughs) the the meme and so anyway i start blasting that's what i thought of as soon as i typed this and every time i see this now That's what I think. I'm just letting y'all know where my mind is. The steward turns around and immediately starts blasting at Tulip and co. And Atticus runs out to defend them only to get smacked to the ground. The steward comes after Tulip, tackling her to the ground and telling her to return to her seat, which like, I'm not even sure what that's supposed to mean in this scenario, but whatever. Atticus was just stunned. So he gets up, finds a random orb and puts it into an empty slot. And he found the orb that controls the water, which seems really convenient, but whatever. 1 1 jumps out of Tulip's bag and says something, something to the steward, and it seems like it recognizes him or something, so it turns and runs away. Corginia is saved, and as they gather themselves after that scuffle, Tulip notices that the number on her hand is changing. Now it's down to 101. Atticus tells Tulip that Corginia will never truly be safe until the mysterious robot thing is found and brought to justice, so he asks to tag along with her on her way to find the conductor, and Tulip agrees to have him join their little team. End of episode three. That was the episode that got me hooked. I think it's just because of Atticus and, like, the entire, like, the concept of Corginia I think that's really fun. Like, there's, yeah, there was no, like, super plot heavy. I, I mean, the steward, yeah, that's kind of weird. Like, what is that doing? What's going on? Questions. You gotta keep watching to get questions answered. So, I guess that's kind of the, the part that got me hooked is just because there's this weird robot thing and all these weird orbs and they're controlling stuff. I don't know, man. It was weird. But episode three is the episode that got me hooked. Episode four is kind of a filler episode. We learn a little bit more about Tula, but ultimately this specific episode doesn't drive the story forward. I mean, watch it, watch all of Infinity Train. I just don't have time to dive into this episode if it isn't like plot relevant or plot heavy, driving the plot forward. Episode five is titled The Cat's Car and the action gets going pretty quickly. Tulip and friends are waving to the friends that they've just made in the previous car. We don't see the whole story play out, but there's a T-Rex with a baseball glove, and I really wish that we'd gotten to see that, but uh, whatever. As they walk to the next car, there's a rumbling, and the catwalk retracts, so they have to walk back. Another train car just moves on top of the other one and plops down in front of Tulip, so now they have to go through this car. When they get inside, it's kind of a mess of what looks like junk. Atticus says it looks like a study, and 1-1 one one says, what are they studying, hoarding? And obviously the owner of this study is the cat, Based on the name of the episode, she jumps down from the rafters and Tulip asks her what she's doing. The cat replies that she lives here, so Tulip decides that she isn't waiting around to see what kind of trick the cat is going to pull. She grabs 1-1 and they make for the door. Right before they can leave, the cat jumps up onto a shelf and knocks off a row of VHS tapes. She asks Tulip to help her pick them up because cats don't have thumbs and Tulip notices that one of the tapes has her name on it. The cat suggests that she watch it since it's obviously for her. She says that every passenger has one and they all have a number just like Tulip. Inside the tape are memories of Tulip's life. There's a Christmas, a road trip with her parents, a family vacation, a random night that she barely remembers any details about, and the memory of her parents telling her that they were splitting up. At first, all these memories seem really happy and she doesn't even remember her parents telling her that they were getting divorced. While she watches a memory play out, something glitches and she has a thought. That's not how this happened. Suddenly she sees Other memories play out differently too. Her parents fought on their family vacation. She remembers finding her dad crying on the couch in the middle of the night, and she remembers being really afraid and upset when her parents told her that they wouldn't be living together anymore. Tulip realizes that she's the one who's been changing her memories to avoid her life, and that's enough to free her from being stuck in the tape forever. The cat is genuinely surprised when Tulip wakes up and Tulip takes that to mean that she was supposed to be stuck in there. She leaves for real this time and after the door shuts behind her, the train moves the train car moves again this time towards the front of the train. The steward comes out and asks the cat where Tulip is. The cat says that she left and she took 1-1 with her. The steward picks up the cat and squeezes her really hard, but then this really ominous shape emerges from the shadows and it emits this weird sound that makes the, the steward drop the cat. The steward says not to fail again and then, like, spins around and breaks all the stuff in the car. The next car they encounter is inhabited completely by turtle people. Their houses only have three walls, there's jam in the middle of the road, and there's a big hole in the middle of the city that they use to deliver their mail. It's kind of weird, but it makes way more sense later on. Basically, the only thing that happens in this episode that is of plot relevance to us right now is that 1-1 says the car is broken. He tries to fix it, but Tulip is able to talk him down saying that he doesn't have to take responsibility for this, that it's not his fault. Also, when they leave this car, they walk by a hole that looks like one of those things where the orbs would be, and it's missing an orb, and one one, I don't know if he just, like, glitches for a second, or if he resets, but something really weird happens, because they walk by that thing in the wall, and then... Tulip, or not Tulip, they walk by the thing in the wall, and then 1-1, like, reintroduces himself, and he's like, hello, I'm 1-1, and Tulip's like, I know, I'm Tulip, and then he just, like, carries on like nothing ever happened, so I don't know if it was just, like, a glitch. I still don't know what that means. Next up is the chrome car, and again, a lot of stuff happens, but not every second of it is really plot heavy. This car is totally chrome, and as such, totally reflective. Tulip meets her mirror self, and she says that in order to open the door, they have to switch worlds, basically. They put the opposite foot on top of the other, and the worlds just, like, rotate? I don't really know. So Tulip is now in the mirror world, and Mirror Tulip is in the real world. The prime world is what they call it mirror tulip tries to double cross tulip prime by leaving her stranded in the mirror world while she attempts to escape the car mirror one one and atticus call the authorities reflection enforcement aka the flex they come and according to mirror law if mirror tulip isn't existing to reflect her prime then she must be ground into dust so like that's scary reflect or die basically is what they're saying mirror tulip can't leave the chrome car without something to reflect onto so she's stuck in there tulip offers to help but it will only work if they switch back they do and tulip uses her mirror inside her multi tool swiss army knife kind of a thing so that mirror tulip can be her own reflection allowing her to leave the chrome car and live her own life tulip and her mirror counterpart end up parting ways at the end of this episode tulip wishes her luck on her journey to figure out whoever she is and what she wants from life, now that she's free to be on her own. We have entered what I consider to be the final countdown. Strap in, yo. I'm gonna hit the broad strokes of this because it's all... All of this is plot heavy. Everything episodes 8 through 10 are very plot heavy. So, let's go. Episode eight is the ball pit car. If I had to pick any car to be in, it would be this one for sure. Tulip finds a stuffed little bunny named Khaki Bottoms and together they climb into the innermost area of this indoor playground. Just as they're celebrating, the tentacle arm thingies of the steward come twisting up through the play equipment. Tulip tells Khaki to hide somewhere safe and they attempt to make their way down without touching the steward. They almost make it, but the prize that the bunny gave them falls out of Tulip's pocket and that tips off the steward to their location. The steward squeezes the tube that the gang is in, and they tumble down to the floor, and the steward starts shooting at him. Atticus says goodbye to Tulip, and he runs in to try to take down the steward. Tulip and 1-1 try to get away, but the steward catches Tulip. She's about to get blasted in the face when we hear that weird noise in the distance, and this th- that weird creature thing steps out of the shadows, and it's huge and very ominous looking. It's weird. Side note, this monologue here, uh, the creature thing actually calls this robot my steward, so there is a definite answer as to what this thing is. I just never picked up on it until just now. Alright, checking back in. So this new ominous looking robot thing says that they sent the cat to give tulip her tape so she could live in her happiest memories forever. So confirmed they've been working it with they have been in this together from the start. The cat is then sent to find one one saying that she can be free once one one has been returned. but then as soon as the cat runs into the tubes, the steward opens fire and obliterates everything left standing. Tulip, of course, is upset that her friend just got murdered, so she cries, and the robot thing wipes her tears away. Atticus jumps out to try and save Tulip, but he gets yanked away, and this crazy robot thing tells Tulip that she will cease her journey. And Tulip says, why should I listen to you? And this thing replies, because I'm the conductor. And look, I've never seen any of the original movies, but I know a Star Wars reference when I see one. And Let's just stay here for a second, because this is kind of a fun pop culture reference. We're all fine right here. So after that Darth Vader style reveal, the conductor pulls out a weird looking gun and aims it at Atticus. Atticus looks right at Tulip, which is also like right at us, and the conductor pulls the trigger. We don't see anything happen because this is a kid show and at this point, while it was airing, it was on Cartoon Network, but we see the shadow of it and then we see Atticus's limp body just fall to the ground. The conductor makes that noise that seems to control the steward. It drops Tulip and she goes to pick up Atticus saying that everything's gonna be okay. Atticus's neck stretches out, and then Tulip drops him, because that you know, that would freak you out. And then, out of, the, out of frame, we see the, like, antenna of a gome. The conductor didn't kill Atticus, she turned him into a gome. Oh, just kidding. We actually see him metamorph. It's very disturbing. This has made for some great debates among the fans as to what exactly gomes are, but that is not a discussion for right now. This newly formed gome pounces on Tulip and starts to suck her soul again, whatever it is that they do. Okay, just kidding. This is a time for discussing theories. One of the theories is that all gomes were once inhabitants of the train, or denizens as they're called, that got blasted or maybe died and then they get reincarnated as gomes. I'm honestly unsure where I fall in that whole debate, but I do think in this instance that Atticus is still in uh, kind of in control. When this gome is sucking Tulip's soul, there's like a split second where he stops and kind of shakes his head. Like Atticus is in control of this body and he's trying to keep himself from harming Tulip. I've just been watching these episodes a lot lately. Like this is maybe five or six frames of animation. It's not very long, but I've just been watching these episodes so much. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but that's just my opinion. I think that in this particular instance... Atticus is still kind of, maybe because the transformation hasn't fully happened yet, but I think in this moment Atticus is in control. So maybe Atticus takes control of this gome for a second, but whatever. It's enough time for Tulip to get away and climb up what's left of the play equipment. Just as she gets to the top, 1-1 comes out and together he and Tulip make it down the slide before the gome catches them. Tulip looks around really quickly and she finds something that will work to trap Atticus the gome and she's able to trick him into getting into it and she slams the lid shut and traps him inside. Once she's really able to take a second, everything hits Tulip all at once. A lot of stuff just happened. The conductor isn't anything like what she thought, and they basically said that everything that has happened is her fault. Atticus is a gome, and now it seems like she's stuck on the train forever. Her eyes fill with tears, and then one one comes up and puts a hand or leg or whatever, they're like little stubs on her hand and he says, it's okay to cry. And that's how this episode ends. Just Tulip quietly crying over the loss of her friend. A lot of times, simple lines are the things that stick out to me. And I love the simple reminder from 1-1 that it's okay to cry. Cry because you're frustrated. Cry because you're sad. Cry for any reason. It's okay to cry. Just feel your feelings. Episode 9 starts with 1-1 bringing Tulip her shoes, and as they get ready to leave, they find the cat tangled in a mess of rope. She tries to make a deal with Tulip, but she says no more. She'll free the cat, but then she's done. The cat says that there's still time to save Atticus. They can reverse what happened to him, but in order to do it, Tulip has to watch this tape. The cat explains that watching your own tape is dangerous, but watching someone else's tape is totally fine. We're gearing up to the end, so I'm going to try to work through this pretty quickly. Um, They watch a bunch of memories, and eventually they find out that the tape that they're in is the conductor's tape. Tulip learns that the conductor is a woman named Amelia whose husband died. We don't know exactly what happens, but it can be assumed that it happened unexpectedly or quickly. She wasn't expecting it. I mean, regardless, you would be upset if your spouse died, but like, The way that it happened, the way that it's made to seem, to me, seems like it happened really quickly. So. Or unexpectedly. They come back out of the tape and Tulip is like, what gives, how does that help me? And then the cat shows her a picture of the front of the train with the same cannons that the conductor used to change Atticus. Tulip realizes that if they can be used to turn Atticus into a gome, they can be used to change it back. Tulip is kind of upset with the cat for showing her the tape because it really humanizes the conductor. Um, The following is the quote from the episode when Tulip is frustrated with the cat, quote, "'It was easier when I thought the conductor "'was some heartless robot thing. "'She turned Atticus into a monster. "'I don't want to feel bad for her. "'But now I know that she's a person named Amelia "'who was in love and she's hurt "'and she's running away from the changes in her life "'because she's afraid, like me,' end quote.'" and then Tulip's hand starts to glow and her number goes from like 50 something all the way down to zero and a door appears in front of her and when the door opens, there's a weird uh, vortex of light like what we saw in episode one and on the other side is her home. Tulip got her exit from the train. That's really cool. Just as Tulip is getting ready to leave, like she got her exit, she's been on the train for months at this point, she hears Monster Atticus scream and she says that she can't leave while he's like this. Together, Tulip and 1-1 are able to hack the car, and the cat uses her shuttlecraft to take them all the way to the engine. Final showdown time, baby. Let's go. The gang makes it to the engine, and there's a car sticking out of it. Amelia is building a new car. The cat points out that the train is never finished. Infinity train, get it? Tulip decides that they'll have to go through the new car to get to Amelia in the engine. The cat says this is where she leaves. She's held up her end of the bargain, so now she's on to do other things. Tulip says goodbye to the cat, which, by the way, is her actual name, the cat. Tulip ties a rope around the tube thing where Atticus is trapped, grabs the little TV with Amelia's tape in it, and she shimmies her way into the engine. When Tulip gets into the engine, she distracts Amelia by throwing the TV with the tape in it while it's playing. Amelia gets stuck in her tape, but the robot thing that she's, like, stuck inside makes this deafening alarm sound. Seriously, it's very jarring if you're not expecting it. It's, I want to say, it's like two minutes and about 15 seconds into episode 10. So, warning y'all ahead of time, if your volume on your TV is up super high, turn it down at about two minutes in. (laughs) to this episode, because otherwise you will be deaf and slightly afraid. Uh, yeah, it starts making this sound. Tulip is searching for the cannon thing to turn Atticus back, and the steward comes over and smashes the TV to free Amelia from her tape. Amelia threatens to send the car with Tulip's exit door in it, quote, so far down the train that you'll die of old age before you see it again, end quote. And Tulip says that she isn't leaving until Atticus is back to normal, so Amelia hits a button on the computer, and the car shoots back down the train, and she makes that sound that controls the steward the steward backs tulip into a corner and then tulip pulls the rope that is attached to the tube thingy holding atticus it slams into the steward's head and then atticus goes for the steward tulip opens her bag and tells one one to find a way to stop the steward or the train or something she needs help and then one one says end it all got it and then he rolls away and she's like okay well that's not what i meant but all right you go do your thing Tulip runs up into the new car and Amelia follows her. Tulip shakes a little tree and discovers that the leaves are all turtles. Tulip looks up and realizes that the car they were in before with the community of turtle people and the unfinished houses was a car that Amelia created. She's been trying to make a car of her her old life. Tulip says that that's not how it works, you can't just make whatever car you want, and Amelia asks Tulip if she could, would she make a car of her old life, one where her parents are together. Tulip says no, because then it wouldn't be real. Her parents weren't happy together, and she doesn't want to live a hollow version of her life. Amelia says that she can make a car where her family is happy together. And I think for a split second, Tulip kind of considers this, but then she snaps out of it, and she turns around, and she says, You can't even make a car without any turtles in it! And yo, this is one of my favorite scenes of the whole show because this is tulip kind of like finally accepting that her life will never be back to the way it was before not even a false reality could bring her parents back together and make a life that she wishes that she still had this is almost right up there with that scene from steven universe because i bring that up whenever i have a chance to y'all know uh where pink steven tells white diamond that pink diamond is gone that scene gives me chills the the you know, if you know, you've, you know, hello. I need to gather my words, my thoughts. If you've seen that episode, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That moment where Steven says, she's gone. And like, bro, first of all, that peaked at the microphone. I apologize for that. But you know, y'all know, if you've seen it, you know, that scene gives me chills. And this scene is up there. I just love that line. It's silly, but like Tulip has been on this whole journey of learning to accept that her life will never be the same. And Amelia has been on the train for years and it's still, she's still trying to create her old life and it's never gonna happen. And even if it did, like Tulip said, it wouldn't be real. It would just be a simulation. All right, checking back in. (laughs) Amelia is ready to full out murder this child. She is not holding back. In order to work the cannon, Tulip has to find one of those glowing orbs that controls corgis. Amelia says that this whole time, she's been trying to keep one at bay. And Tulip says, one what? <gasps> one one! And then there's, it flashes, you know, you go back into the engine. There's this little round hole in the control panel, and one one looks up at it and says, "Mum." And this is where he's been going the whole time. I'll skip the buildup, he slips into the hole, the train basically shuts down and resets itself, the new car that Amelia was building gets launched somewhere down the train, Atticus gets turned back into a dog, and 1-1 made the noise that controlled the steward, so no one died. 1-1 makes that same noise, but it's at a higher pitch than than whatever it was that Amelia was making. It's the same sound, different pitch. Because for a long time, I thought that, uh, 1-1's tone that he made was the inverse of what Amelia was making, but no, it is not. They're the same, just a different pitch. All right, moving on. And Amelia got thrown from her, like, mecha suit thing into the engine, so now everybody's together. Tulip turns and accuses her of taking 1-1 out of the control panel, and Amelia responds with the fact that he had all that power, but he refused to make a car for her where she could live with, I don't know if it's Ulrich with a U or Ulrich with an A. I don't know. I... But whatever, her husband. 1-1 refuses to make a car where she can live with her husband. And Tulip says that she can't keep trying to relive her old life. And she has to learn to live in this one. And Amelia says that she doesn't want to live a life without Ulrich. (laughs) Gonna pause here for just a second. And I just want to say that I do not condone this action at all. I am merely talking about this as a theory to provide some depth to Amelia's character we are suicide attempt survivors in this house we've been there we get it if you or someone you know is contemplating suicide please seek help i'll leave the national suicide hotline in the description of this episode again just mentioning this to bring some depth to a character not suggesting that you take this action stay safe If she really didn't want to live a life without her husband, there are ways that she could have solved that besides hacking a magical train. And I was thinking about this earlier today and it suddenly hit me that Amelia was on top of a building for an unknown reason at the end of her tape. And it was a memory that she kept at a distance. Uh, She was on top of a building when the train found her. I don't know if that's something that anybody has talked about. I'm pretty new to this fandom. I'm not involved in every single discussion. I'm just saying that I wonder if she was ready to jump off the building and then the train saved her life. Again, if you or someone you know is contemplating suicide, please reach out. Seek help. We're gonna move on. I just wanted to put this theory out there to add some depth to Amelia. Because that literally just hit me as I was typing the script like three hours ago so just throwing that out there I don't know if that's already a theory we're moving on Tulip tells Amelia that the only way that things can get better is by taking it day by day learning to adapt is the only way that things can get better and Amelia says it doesn't matter she'll be on the train for a long time because numbers don't just go down they also go up and Amelia has numbers all over her body but Tulip says that she can still try with that Tulip's journey on the train is over. 1-1 brings the car with her exit back up to the engine. Tulip wishes Atticus and 1-1 farewell, and she tells Amelia that she hopes someday she gets her exit too. And Tulip steps into the weird vortex thing, and that's it. She's back home. Uh, it- it, I just burped really loud. (laughs) It flashes forward seven months, and- Tulip's parents are way better at scheduling, she's adapting to her new life, her dad comes to take her to camp, and he and her mom seem to be getting along pretty well. Mom says for Tulip to text when they get there, and dad says that they'll be safe, Uh, he says that he'll keep her safe or whatever, and then her mom, I think her mom says, I know you will, like they're, it's, it's good that they're like getting along. As Tulip walks out the door, she walks by a mirror, And we see that she has no reflection. So, like, cue Twilight Zone theme. Is is that enough? Do you want to go watch it now? Please say yes. Please go watch the show on HBO Max. I keep saying it. Book 3 is the best so far. It gets so dark and so good. And I want y'all to experience it. I just, ugh. I can't say enough how good Book 3 gets. So, Book 2 follows mirror tulip slash mt slash lake depending on where you are in the story i don't have time to recap all of book two because book one took me way longer than i thought it was going to i'm hoping that you hearing me talk about book one is enough to make you go watch uh but i just wanted to hit a few things that happen through book two so All of book two follows M.T., Mirror Tulip, and the whole story is about her trying to get off the train. She can't get off the train because she doesn't have a number, and she can't get a number because she's not a passenger. It's a whole, it's like a circle. Uh, A lot of the conflict from... Book 2 is from MT trying to convince everyone that she is her own person, and she deserves to be able to make her own choices and live her own life. She has to keep making this point to herself, to Jesse, the boy that she uh, befriends, to the Flex who are still chasing after her and trying to bring her down, and then eventually even to 1-1 and the train itself. We also learn through N.T.'s journey a little bit more about how the train works. We learn what happens to the passengers, how they get their numbers and their tapes. It's really cool to see it happen, but I still have questions about how the train works, which I guess is good because ideally we still have five seasons worth of story to get through. But it also kind of sucks because if this show gets canceled, then we have all these questions that are left unanswered. So, yin yang. Another thing that happens in book two that kind of furthers the overall intrigue and the mystery of the train is the introduction of the Apex. We meet them in episode six and then episode seven is all about them. The Apex is a group of kids who all live together in a community led by two teenagers, Grace and Simon. The Apex believes that Amelia is the true conductor and 1-1 is the imposter who overthrew her. Also, everything they believe about the train is backwards. They believe that the higher your number gets, the better you are at the train, whatever that means. Like, I, I have no idea. The Apex also believe that all of the denizens, or nulls as the Apex refer to them, don't have feelings or value. The kids of the Apex use the train as their own personal playground. They destroy cars and take whatever they want from within them, and they also very casually murder random inhabitants of said train cars. Again, believing every inhabitant to essentially be worthless. this is They do all of this with no remorse or sense of morality at all, because to them, the, this whole thing is a game. That's all I'm gonna say about book two. Book two is really good, I just don't have time to recap the entire thing. Again, hopefully hearing me unpack all of book one was enough to make you wanna go watch because book three is the best season so far in my opinion. Because Book 3 just finished last week, I'm not going to hit on any major plot points. I just want you to know that I have never screamed at a TV show, but I screamed at the finale of Book 3. This show gets so much darker than you think a kid's show should be allowed to go, but I love it because of that. Y'all know, y'all heard me say that I love when kid's shows don't shy away from dealing with heavy stuff. All that being said... I would love for someone with knowledge of cults and the psychology of the people within them and like the stuff that's happening inside of cults to unpack the later parts of book three. And that's all I'm going to say. I hope that's enough to make you want to go watch book three. I would seriously love to hear somebody who has like an in-depth knowledge of cults and cult behavior to unpack everything that happens. Especially in book 10, or episode 10, not book 10. I do want to warn you, so you don't make the same mistake I did. Episode six is incredibly emotional. I have a track record now of watching the saddest episode of a cartoon either while I'm on break at work or right before I go into work, and it wrecks my whole day. Uh, so don't make the same mistake I did. Watch episode six at home. Actually, watch all of book three at home. I would not want. <laughs> I would not have wanted to be at work screaming at my phone like I did when I saw the end of book three. So just take. Honestly. These are 11-minute episodes. I did the math the other day and if you watched all 3 seasons of Infinity Train, you could do it in a day. It would be like a, it would be 6 hours of binging this entire show. But especially uh Especially book three, now that the entirety of it is out, because I watched, like, the first, whatever it was, it was the first, like, four or five episodes, and then the next week they dropped two more episodes, and then the the week after that, they dropped the final two episodes, so I was watching it. I didn't, I couldn't binge the whole thing, I was just watching it as the episodes were released, but still, it's, it would be a quick binge if you just sat and watched the whole thing, and it would be worth it, because then you'd be able to follow the entire story all the way through. It is an anthology so every show every season follows a different uh main character or set of main characters but the stories are all still connected through the train That's all I've got for this week. If you have thoughts about this show or any of the shows that I cover here, I'd love to hear from you. Head over to Twitter and follow at Kelby underscore cartoons for updates about future episodes and all other forms of cartoon related to chaos. I'm also always looking for new shows to watch and I would love to hear your recommendations. Might not get to it right away, but we'll get to it eventually just a quick heads up, if Infinity Train is something that you're into, I will do a full episode unpacking book three. It might be next week, it might be the week after. Uh, I just wanted to give you a chance to see book three in its entirety before I spoil the whole thing. My schedule for next week's episode is kind of up in the air, so I may do an entire book three episode for next week. So if Infinity Train is not something that you're into, I'm sorry, you're gonna have to listen to me talk about it at least for one more week, or you could just skip it. I mean, that's fine too. Um, I'm still not sure what my schedule is going to be like for next week. I'm planning on having a guest for next week, and that's kind of what's up in the air. I'm trying to decide if I'm just going to go ahead and chug along and just go ahead and do this episode without a guest, or if I'm going to postpone the episode that I have planned for next week and do it when that guest can come and be on. So next week is all kind of up in the air, but just letting you know, I do plan to do an entire episode on book three. Uh, I just wanted to give you a chance to watch it and experience it in its entirety before I spoil the whole thing. Uh, either way, please make sure that you go to support the show on HBO Max so we can get a book four. Also, hit me up on Twitter when you see the finale of book three because I want to know your thoughts. Or hit me up on Facebook. Because we also have a Facebook page. Uh, I just want to know what your thoughts are because everybody on Twitter that night I have never been so involved in a fan community. it was very very exciting. I was having lots of conversations with lots of different people all at the same time about what was happening during the finale. It was very fun but either way I would love to hear what you thought about it. all right back back into the outro. I hope you plan to watch the show that I covered this week. Thanks for listening and happy Saturday or whatever day it is whenever you're listening Happy whatever and happy binging. Go watch *Infinity Train*. Use the hashtag *Infinity Train* on Twitter. Watch it on HBO Max. Now is the great. Now is a great time to start the free trial. Watch the entire show, and then you don't have to worry about paying for it. Just cancel your subscription before it will charge you. We we stand. We support that. Go watch *Infinity Train*. Happy binging. Happy Saturday. <laughs>